Hello and welcome to MonarchCast. I'm Claire. I'm Allie. And today we are taking a little bit of a break from our series on deposed monarchs. So if you came here for a gruesome beheading, come back next week. Um, but we or thought in two weeks, be, maybe. Or in two weeks. Yeah, Christmas is coming. Um, so we thought it might be fun to take a little bit of a break because Christmas is approaching and do one of our more lighthearted episodes and talk about royal Christmas traditions. Yeah, I felt like, you know, I was in the holiday spirit. I didn't really want to talk about dead monarchs anymore. Um, I mean, we'll probably talk about a few dead monarchs today, but not in a gruesome decapitation or worse kind of way. Um, But we will be back with a few more depositions. Uh, It's so weird to say that word in that context. (laughs) Yeah, I know. Maybe we'll we'll come up with a fun term for it. Also, just as a technical note, I am still working without my microphone, so once again, hopefully there aren't too many hiccups. Um, We were just talking about how the built-in microphone on my computer is incredibly sensitive, so if you get some ambient noises, um, they're just part of the charm, right? Yeah. So That's what I like to tell myself. (laughs) Yeah. Yeah. It's not unprofessional. It's charming. (laughs) Of course, yeah. Totally A+. A plus for effort, (laughs) B minus for execution. Yeah. We thought we'd talk today instead of beheadings and the like about just how Christmas is celebrated, um, mostly by the British royal family, but I did put in a few nuggets about other royal institutions around the world. Um, Obviously, not all royal families around the world celebrate Christmas, but I... We'll talk about why I thought of this episode in a minute, but before we get into it, there is a little bit of gossip that we had, and it is related to how the royals celebrate Christmas. Yes, yes. So, um, two bits of information. Um, We'll surprise no one. One bit is about Harry and Meghan, and one bit is about William and Kate. Um, The first is that there has been confirmation that came out that Harry and Meghan are not going to spend Christmas with the royal family, which you and I were just talking about the fact that they announced they were taking a six-week vacation, so everybody kind of assumed like that covered the whole holiday period. Um, But I think what's important to note is that it's not just that they're not going to Sandringham, they're skipping all of the events, which I think some people might might have thought they would have shown up for the staff parties and things like that, like to say thank you. Um, and they're not doing any of that. I think I feel they're like just they're out not of the country. In, yeah, and I think they're probably not in the mood to thank a staff that has been undermining them all year, so. Well, it would also <laughs> be their, guess. like, personal aides and things like that. So I think, I'm sure they've thanked them in person and, you know, bought them very nice gifts. It's just mostly notable because it's rare for them. Like, maybe somebody doesn't go to Sandringham one Christmas. Like, for example, William and Kate, very early in their marriage, would switch off with her parents, but they would do some activities. So I think that's what people are zeroing in on is that they're not doing anything. Um, That just makes me think that they're in America somewhere. I think so. And also, I mean, they're just, they were pretty clear that they were taking a complete break. And we'll get into it, but some of these Christmas activities are not low-key at all, so no. that's not really the definition of a break, so right. I, I'm i not surprised that they're skipping. So that's, you know, all I have on that, but I um, thought that was kind of interesting, and then the other piece is a little bit more lighthearted. Um, so on the Today Show this morning, they were showing 
clips from the Christmas special that William and Kate did with Mary Berry. And if you don't know who Mary Berry is, um, she was a judge, I almost said host, but she was a judge on the Great British Baking Show um, known as Great British Bake Off in the UK. And um, you can catch some most of the back seasons on Netflix. And she's just like the most charming British well, she's, grandmother. She's more than that. She's like the Martha Stewart of England. Yes, but she's charming. And yeah. she's grandmotherly. And she's a sweet little lady. She will yell at you if your tart has a soggy bottom. But she's just like very like bubbly and just has like a really nice screen presence. So I thought it was kind of interesting to see her paired with William and Kate. Oh, and the other person that was in the special with them is Nadia, who was That's um, right. one of the winners from past seasons and one of my favorite seasons. Um, she has also become something of a host in Great Britain. So they paired up and had a little bit of a competition. And then they were, you know, it was focusing on charity and things like that. So I think that that's the key when we see them sort of do these more commercial activities. It all comes back to the charity aspect. Um, but I thought it was kind of fun to see the clips. But unfortunately, it's not airing in the U.S. So um, if you can get it some other way that'd be fun but I'm not gonna be able to watch it so I'm a little bummed but uh it looked very lighthearted and fun and exactly the kind of cheesy thing you want to watch this time of year or any time of year because I watch reruns of the Great British Baking Show That's all the time. That's not cheesy. <laughs> it's just so cozy and heartwarming I love it. Yeah. Um so that's kind of fun, a fun thing but yeah two little Christmas related nuggets but that's all I got. I think we were just saying, you know, the British election probably sucked out of the air out of the room as far as gossip goes. So yeah, uh, I'm sure that's not the most interesting headline these days. Yeah. Right. Um, so speaking of Christmas and speaking of cheesy, um, I should fully admit that my inspiration for this episode came from watching a Christmas movie on Netflix um, called A Night Before Christmas. And oh, that was so bad. It was so bad. And I got really angry because I was watching it. And I mean, there are a lot of reasons why this was bad, but I was under the impression that they had portrayed medieval Christmas entirely wrongly. Like there are wreaths on the door. And I was thinking, hang on a second. Like this doesn't make any sense. Like medieval knights or med people in the Middle Ages like would not really have been celebrating Christmas Wait, at all. So can we just take a quick side note. Like... My favorite thing about that was that he said he was knighted by Edward III. Yes. But looking at <laughs> his did. outfit, he definitely looked more like he looked like a couple centuries too late. He was wearing There a was lot a lot about mail. that movie that was incorrect, which is why I was also convinced that they had misrepresented the way Christmas would have been celebrated. And so I started thinking about the way that um, the Royals celebrate Christmas. And so that's how we thought this would be fun to talk about. Um, I want to say right off the top though, that my inspiration for this rep episode was completely wrong. So I was under the impression that people in England did not really celebrate Christmas in the mid middle ages, but that's actually not true. And in fact, by the middle ages, they had been celebrating some form of Christmas for quite some time. I just thought it wasn't really a big holiday, but turns out by about the 11th century, it actually was. Um, 
And, you know, that's not really that surprising, right? Like the winter solstice was always an important time for a lot of people and religions. And and England was fully Christian by the Middle Ages. So Christmas by then had joined Easter as a major religious holiday and specifically a major feast day. Um, And I was reading that like Christmas carols and the traditions around those songs go back as far as the 13th century. And like there was some form of decoration on trees. So... It's it's incorrect to say that maybe they were wrong to have some indication of Christmas. Now, whether they had a fur wreath on the door, I'm still not sure that would actually have been the appropriate decoration, but I don't really feel comfortable anymore quibbling, mm. <laughs> so, so I'll just be quiet. But anyway, like I said, this kind of put me in mind of a bigger top like fun topic to talk about which is how do the royals start celebrating christmas and how have they historically celebrated it now it's a fun thing to note that the royal family apparently would really like us to know this information because i borrowed quite heavily from a timeline that they posted on royals like their royal website it's oh like, can i interrupt you one more time i'm so sorry did you see the cookie recipe that they put on Instagram this weekend? Yes. I was so close to making those, but I was pretty sure I was going to really mess them up. Sorry. Well, you might have you might have to give it a try. It was just like, I think we should talk about that when we get to like the modern stuff because the recipe is, is a German cookie. We and can talk about that. Yeah. Uh, yes. Because yeah. that... That little tidbit is relevant. Yeah. Um, so remind me of that when we get to that section because I just thought it was really interesting. So when you said that they were putting their own timeline up, I think you're right. I think they like want to show how they're celebrating. They do. And so it turns out, I forget, I'm already forgetting the name of the website. I think it's like royal.org or .gov or something. Um, but it pretty clearly seemed to be like their legit website. Um, I might have to link to it because um, I was just looking at it and I've totally bungled what it was but they had a timeline of like royal related facts about Christmas so essentially royal Christmas trivia if you will so I thought we might run through some of these items I didn't include everything because some of it I felt was a bit boring um but I tried to include monarchs that we've talked about in the past and you know some fun Christmas related factoids around them so Um, I think we're going to skip pre-Norman conquest, one, because Christianity was still spreading throughout um, the island, and also there's just really not that much information. And the royal timeline started with the coronation of William the Conqueror, who was crowned at Westminster Abbey in 1066 on guess which day? (laughs) Ho, ho, ho. Christmas Day, yes. He was so the Norman conquest of England officially officially begins on Christmas Day of 1066. So it's kind of a nice kickoff for this era of English history and coincidentally begins on Christmas. I think the next notable name, so we've talked um in their episode on Matilda, we talked about King Stephen, who was her nemesis. I included this because I could not figure out why they thought this was like Christmas related. It's sort of like if you twist, you'll get there. But so Stephen was born in 1095 and the Christmas related fact is that he is named after St. Stephen, who was the first martyr of Christianity. And of course, St. Stephen's Day is celebrated 
on the 26th of December, so the day after Christmas, which is more commonly referred to as Boxing Day. Isn't that a Christmas song? Yes, so he is mentioned in King Wenceslas. Yeah. Um, I know that scene from Love Actually. On the Feast of Stephen. Yeah, on the Feast of Stephen. Yes, so St. Stephen is the Stephen in that feast. Gotcha, Um, gotcha. And Stephen of Blois was named Blois, Blois. Uh, Did we figure out how to name him? No, just Stephen. Stephen was named after St. Stephen. Um, Okay, so then moving on to Henry II. Um, He really went big for Christmas in 1171. He traveled to Ireland, and for the occasion, he decided to build an entire palace (laughs) to celebrate. So he built his, yes, as a king does, he built his winter palace in Dublin for his first Christmas there. And uh, notably, that was also the first time, apparently, crane had been served in Ireland. (laughs) So, Crane? Crane, like the bird. Oh, God. Yeah, well, that's not all they ate. They ate crane, herons, peacocks, swans, and wild geese. Okay, that sounds like either really stringy or really fatty. Yeah, I really, it doesn't sound like it would taste good. But they ate a lot of things. Mm -hmm. Um, uh, Speaking of eating, the next Henry celebrated with quite a large feast in 1264. Um, So by that point, uh, Christmas was fully celebrated, um, but it was also had become one of the greatest feasts of the year because it was really expensive to feed livestock during the winter. So what they would do for Christmas is they would slaughter a bunch of animals and have a like this huge feast. Um, and this particular year, they fed on 30 oxen, 100 sheep, five boars, nine dozen fowl, Salted venison, salmon, and lamprey, as well as quite a bit of wine. And a lot of this was apparently provided by the sheriff of, of Oxford that year. Um, and by they, I mean the king, his household, and presumably all the nobles were partaking. So, None of that sounds good either. Well, the, the sheep and the boars, I mean, that's like lamb and pork. No, no, sheep is not lamb. Let's be very clear about the difference between mutton and lamb. Well, they didn't specify how old they, they were. <laughs> so, Big difference. Oxen, and oxen would just taste like beef, I think. Yeah, I think so, probably. Yeah. The lamprey is the part I struggle with. That's like eels. I don't think so. Um, okay, so fast forward a century to 1392. Um, by this point, Christmas gifts were traditionally exchanged at either the new year or on 12th night, um, which happens in January. So that year, 1392, the city of London decided to give the king, Richard II, a pelican and a camel for Christmas. I think that's really interesting. The city of London gave him that? Yes. So I I don't know who that would be, uh, like who's coordinating this effort, but I thought those gifts were pretty interesting. (laughs) I know, exactly. Where did they get a camel? They didn't say. But I think by this point, they're starting to encounter, right, other animals. I mean, obviously, crusades have happened, so presumably they've encountered camels on crusade is my best guess of how they brought that back. They're definitely dealing with other monarchies, though, because in 1400, Henry IV celebrated Christmas with a special guest, Byzantine Emperor Manuel II. 
I know the Byzantines so. were Catholic. Uh, Christian. They they were Christian. They kind of had their own branch of the church, I believe. So, or an offshoot. They weren't strictly like Catholic. Catholic. There okay. was like the Eastern Orthodox, which I believe is what they practice. This is you're really putting me on the spot. Sorry, sorry. <laughs> I no, I just was curious. I, the, like Christian would suffice. If, like either they're Christian or they're not. I just wasn't yes. Sure. This is 1400, so very, very close to the time actually where the Ottomans are about to um, conquer Istanbul, but um, by this point still under the control of the Byzantines. Okay. So then we get into one of your favorites, Henry VIII. And I was trying to remember if we had talked about this. So apparently there was this Christmas tradition in England where they would elect a boy bishop on St. Nicholas Day, so December 6th. um, And he would serve until the 28th of December, basically in like full capacity. So he would wear regalia, he would perform church services, and this was like a thing that they did traditionally around Christmas. And then Henry VIII outlawed this in 1542. I wonder I'm what, not, I, I wonder if that has something to do with, um, I'd have to look at our previous episodes to see if that coincided with the abolishment of the Catholic Church. That's what I was trying to figure out, or if like there was something more nefarious about this practice that he was trying to outlaw. But oh, yeah. I didn't even think about that. No, yeah. no, let's not go there. It's Christmas. Yeah. So it's probably more just due to the fact that he was, you know, I think he was trying to like assert some power over the church. Mm-hmm. Yeah. Um, so then we get to Elizabeth, and I want to say that this little piece of trivia is entirely why I thought they didn't celebrate Christmas because I read a novel about Thomas Cromwell who actually was an advisor to her father Henry VIII and they were talking about the Christmas season specifically around this period that the Elizabethans celebrated called Misrule. So basically they had like a week that was basically full-on anarchy where Traditional rules didn't apply, so men would dress as women, jesters would act like kings, servants would become masters, and they actually celebrated this not just during Christmas, but during many holidays, so Easter, you know, etc., but the wildest time was on Twelfth Night after Christmas, um, where basically the streets would just go nuts. And Elizabeth really didn't like it, so she discouraged it because she didn't like the public disorder that came from basically a breakdown in social order. Right. (laughs) So I was under the impression that this was how the people in the 16th century were celebrating Christmas, but it was just like a part of the celebrations. Well, it sounds like the celebrations were long-lasting. They really were. I mean, they would start on, I think, St. Nicholas Day on the 6th and then go all the way through, like, Twelfth Night and Epiphany. Why don't we do that? I mean, that's, like, two months of celebration. I know, right? I mean, well, we have decorations up for three months. Yeah, but then we all still go to work. We're, like, super stressed out. Like, you can't really enjoy it. But this is, like, maybe not, like, the purge or something, but, like, it sounded like it was pretty nuts. Well, that's what um, I was picturing, but I, I imagine... Right, I mean, like Elizabethan purge. <laughs> their weapons were a little less sophisticated. Yeah. Um, I don't think it was like go hunt people, but it was definitely like, you know, 
everything But if you goes. committed a crime... Yeah, I don't really... I didn't read too much into whether, like, you could actually commit crimes. I think it was more like people just, like, got drunk and acted like crazy people. You know? Yeah. Like, if you're a servant and you can, like, boss your master around, like... I think they're just blowing off steam, essentially. Yeah, yeah that's what it yeah. sounds like. Yeah. I wait, I can't decide if it sounds fun. <laughs> like, would I enjoy something like that or not? I don't know. <laughs> I agree with you. Like, it might be a little too dangerous these yeah. days. Yeah. Um, so something that I read that did not come up, I somehow missed this in my research on Charles, is that in 1647, Parliament, now remember, Parliament was made up of pretty Puritan, strict Christians by this point. Um, In 1647, Parliament actually canceled Christmas. Um, And this is after they had defeated Charles on the battlefield. So they officially canceled Christmas along with Easter and basically any kind of like religious festivals. And it wasn't reinstated officially until Charles II reinstated it in 1660. So for 13 years, England didn't celebrate Christmas. Officially. I mean, officially, right? Because they must, yeah. some people must have been. Well, I'm sure like the Catholics and, you know, anybody who wasn't like super Puritan. But if you think about it, I was like, oh, this makes sense because they didn't even want to basically worship in a church. So religious festivals must have been really offensive. Yeah. To them. Yeah. But I, that didn't come up at all when I was researching that. <laughs> so I thought that was interesting. So Christmas gets reinstated and... Um, By 1790, Queen Charlotte, who was the wife of George III, is the first actually to introduce Christmas trees to the royal family, as this was a German custom, and by this point, they're German, so they're importing this into England. Um, And it wasn't really popularized um, until later, and these early Christmas trees that she was introducing were actually branches made of yew, Yew trees, so not fur yet. Um, what does a yew tree this, look like? I don't know. It I, must look similar. I, all I know is that in Harry Potter, they use yew trees to make wands. Okay, I'm going to look this up real quick. Let's okay. see here. But I also want to mention that in the Middle Ages, they did decorate trees sometimes with apples. And um, because they would also call Christmas Adam and Eve Day. Okay, just so you know, it looks really similar. Oh, does it? Yeah. Okay. So maybe furs were more easy to come by or something. I'm sure it has something Um, to do with cultivation and something boring, horticulture. Or like like personal preference because like 50 years later, Christmas trees got really popular when Prince Albert introduced fir tree versions um, and photographs of Victoria with her family around the Christmas tree were really popular and really made the public want to adopt this tradition as well because Victoria and Albert are doing it. Everybody wants to do it. And that's also the time in which those images of Victoria and Albert around the Christmas tree made their way across the ocean and Christmas trees started catching on in the U.S. as well. Interesting. Yeah. Victoria was really good at PR. (laughs) Yeah. Yeah. So that's how we got Christmas trees. That was like part of her Mm -hmm. brand was like pictures of her and her family so that's kind of yeah. like a, an unintended side effect is they were probably just like, oh, and we'll just like show you guys celebrating Christmas. And then everybody was like, what is that beautiful tree that they're all sitting around? Right. And photographs had, you know, just gotten popularized. And, you know, it's like new technology that they're using to run a different kind of 
PR media strategy. Um, and yeah, everybody was like, oh, that looks really pretty. What are, you know, let's, let's do that. Um, but it was imported from Germany. So like, you know, the Christmas Carol, Oh, Christmas tree is actually translated from the German, Oh, Tannenbaum. Oh, that's right. Yes. Okay. So by 1923, the first Royal Christmas cards were sent after the introduction of the penny post. Um, which I thought this was really interesting. So I'm sure they were sending some kind of personal messages maybe to people, but they started this practice of sending out tons of cards after it became cheaper to mail them. That's interesting. Yeah. And I don't, I actually don't know also like if that helped popularize this idea of Christmas cards. Yeah. No, like other people started sending them through the mail too. These days, they are not that cheap. No, it's not penny post. (laughs) No, no. Like, practically a dollar to mail a letter, and then the card is like $7, like an $8 investment. I've been really lax about sending Christmas cards the last few years. (laughs) I've started, it's so bad, I've started just sending them to the people that I know really expect one. I mean, (laughs) that's not a bad strategy. (laughs) And then the rest of them, I'm like, eh, whatever. (laughs) Well, the royals are on the same page, so they're they're really getting into Christmas cards after the penny post. That's funny. Um, so then we start getting into some of these modern traditions, where in 1932, George V does the first Christmas broadcast on the radio, and then in 1957, Queen Elizabeth II is the first to do this Christmas broadcast on television, so and it that's... has been televised every year ever since. I don't know if this is necessarily gossip, but I did read that the Queen is apparently struggling this year writing her Christmas address. Because she's trying to be positive. <laughs> yes, there's a lot. It's like, I don't know. She's that, like, oh my God, I don't know what do I like, say? Everything's terrible. What was the Annus Horribilis? Oh, that was in the 70s, I think. No, it was or in the, the 90s. I, can't, I think it was. Oh, was it? Was it okay. Was it 1992 or 1997? Uh, I think it was like 92 or yeah. 93. It was like the year that everybody got divorced. That's right. Um, but I wondered if if she would rank this as either worse <laughs> or a close second because, you know, Brexit, well, Brexit has been ongoing I suppose for a that while. depends on like her personal feelings about Brexit, yeah. which we don't know. We don't know. And that's been going yeah. on for a few years. But um I don't know. Things seem pretty shaky over there right now. And then I don't. I bet for her, the more pressing concern is like my favorite son made me look like an idiot. Yeah, and and I my have Boris other Johnson grandson is like suing the press. And yeah, um, <laughs> yeah. I mean, it seems like there's just a lot of drama. Um, yeah. Well, it'll be interesting to see what she says. <laughs> yeah. So anyway, Maybe it'll be a really short one. <laughs> like, Merry Christmas, everyone. This year it might not be better. televised. <laughs> it's just like, we're going back to radio. <laughs> um, yeah, I don't know. That's funny. Where did you read that? I, I honestly can't remember. I just read that it was like, she's apparently having a hard time. I'm like, well, I don't blame her. How do you write a Christmas address and not talk about Andrew? I don't know. <laughs> Maybe she just won't mention him at all. Yeah. I'm so proud of my children. Of my, my two sons and daughter. <laughs> okay. 
Okay. So by 1988, the royal family starts this tradition of spending Christmas at Sandringham. So they had done this previously, but during the 60s, the family used to celebrate at Windsor because Elizabeth's kids were small and so it's not as far to travel. Um, But in 1988, the castle was being rewired, so they moved Christmas back to Sandringham. Oh, interesting. Yeah, I didn't know that, that they, like, that this wasn't something that they had always done every year because it by now feels like such a cemented tradition that they go to Sandringham for Christmas. Yeah, but interesting. Also, it's kind of funny to think about Windsor Castle having to be rewired. And then it caught on fire. I don't know if that happened after this. I thought that was in the 90s. It might have been. I guess the wiring was faulty. By the way, Windsor Castle looks very nice from the air. Oh. <laughs> I did, I did not bring that up last time. That was actually one of the most fun things was flying in to Heathrow. We landed at, was it nine in the morning, roughly? So, something like that, yeah. Yeah. Um, it was really... And it wasn't foggy when we flew It in. wasn't foggy, which was really fun because we only had 48 hours in London. And then, of course, I wanted to see all the things. And so it was really cool because we flew over Hampton Court and then... Five minutes later, we were flying over Windsor Castle. And so I said, hey, I checked two things off my list that I didn't think I was going to get to see. Well, it was funny because I knew, like, there was a chance you could see that and you were sitting by the window. So I was like, and you were, like, looking at me and talking. And I was like, look out the window. (laughs) And then you were like, wait, was that Hampton Court? (laughs) That was was pretty cool. Anyway, nothing to do with Christmas. But I celebrate Christmas at Windsor. It's, like, definitely more castle And by all accounts, Sandringham is not very big. It's not, but I think it's more private because yeah. it's like, and then there's like the church that they go to. So speaking of, that was a, a very quick rundown of like notable Christmas events for the last thousand years, essentially. So instead, now I thought we'd talk a little bit about these modern royal Christmas traditions that we have kind of been mentioning bits and pieces of that might be a little more familiar. Like, these are the things that we see tabloid photos every year, and you know, it's like, where are Megan and Kate going to stand for the church photos and, and, you know, the like. And some of these, speaking of some of these traditions that you were talking about, Megan and Harry skipping, um, first one up is that the Family celebrations actually start the week before Christmas. Um, so the Queen hosts a very formal luncheon every year for, I don't want to be mean and call them second tier, but they sort of are. It's like the outer circle of royals, so the extended family. Um, because Sandringham and the Walk to Church are for only the Queen's immediate family. But everyone else gets invited to this lunch the week before. But it's pretty fancy. Like, people show up in jewels and gowns and the like, and it's like midday. Hmm. So, yeah. So you, those would be some of the photos that you might see uh, in the next week. And then Royal Christmas Eve, actually, is black tie. Okay. Which I was like, how do you feast in a ball gown? Like, isn't Christmas Eve for, like, pigging out? Like, I <laughs> Oh, no. I thought – I think that's cool because you're hanging out with the queen. I mean, why not? These people have probably no shortage of ball gowns and fancy jewels. Well, bust them out. 
But if you're only hanging out at this point with like your close family and they have to be formal and all, you know, dressed up throughout the year, like why do they want to do this on well, Christmas Eve? Well, it's probably like, also a tradition that's a holdover from like Elizabeth's grandparents back when I mean, I think like, a lot of it is. And I think a lot of these traditions were actually started by Queen Victoria. Which was like a time when it was totally normal to schedule out your entire day. Like yeah. cocktails at four, dinner at 530 more cocktails at 8.30, then cigars at 10. And then, like, you know, you just wake up and do it all over again. And I think that this is just a holdover. And I would imagine that the queen is probably a stickler for those kinds of things. Um, But I'd keep that going. Because let me just say, like, I had a Christmas party one year, and I was like, everybody dress up. And, like, it was just to get people to dress dress in something other than jeans was, like, a huge struggle. It's an effort. And, like... You know, but the queen, I think people do what she says. So oh, yes. <laughs> she says, yeah. wear black tie, you wear black tie, you bring your tux and you break out the tiaras. If I was meeting the queen on like a Saturday afternoon, I'd be wearing black tie. So I think it depends on the occasion. No, no. If I ever meet the queen, I'm wearing a ball gown. I don't care what time of day it is. I'm going to wear a ball gown. Uh, okay, so also on Christmas Eve, uh, just like our family, is when they open gifts. Yes. Um, yes, and because, I love this because a lot of people think that this is crazy. But it's it's actually the German tradition. Which so, is why our family does it. Yes, and well... Our ancestors that, were German, some of them. Okay. They were, so, some of them. Right, so that's why they do it as well. Um, because remember, the Windsors are German. Um, they were a German import because they were Protestant. Uh, for more of that, uh, we've got an episode called My Kingdom for a Protestant. Um, uh, but they open the gifts earlier in the day than you might think. So they have afternoon tea and then they open gifts. So I'm assuming this happens either before the black tie portion or maybe Christmas tea is black tie. That was unclear to me. And the gifts that they exchange, actually, they like to trade gag gifts with each other because presumably they have everything they would ever need already, so no need to buy each other fancy gifts. Um, Like, I think one year Harry apparently got the queen a shower cap that said something like, this bitch has everything. (laughs) (laughs) Um, And apparently, I don't know if this is actually true, but I read that Um, nobody bothered to inform Princess Diana of this, her first Christmas with the family, and she gave everybody cashmere sweaters, and they, like, laughed at her. Oh, that's mean. Which sounds terrible. I hope that's not true. These people do not frequently sound great. Um, It probably is true. (laughs) Yeah. Um, also they enjoy a Christmas drink. Uh, Her Majesty enjoys a cocktail called the Zaza, which is gin and something called either Dubonnet or Dubonnet. I don't really know how to pronounce it. Um, that comes served in a martini glass with an orange twist. So I actually looked up what this is. It's a blend of fortified wine, herbs, and spices. Uh, so kind of like a version of vermouth. Apparently it's a little bit sweeter. Um, and it has a small amount of quinine in it. So, you know, they're they're protected against malaria. Well, the soda's tonic water. Yeah. So um, that's like a common mixer so maybe it tastes like a sweet gin and tonic i was gonna say it almost seems like a um gin and it's tonic a that has a like martini. a little more oomph going for it well it's it's actually a riff on a martini so the gin it'd be like a gin martini but instead of vermouth they're using this other 
other spirit. Apparently, it's the queen's favorite cocktail. Um, but not everybody drinks this, so the princes might get into the local Sandringham Estate cider, while apparently Charles likes a cherry brandy. Hmm. That sounds terrible. Do they? <laughs> when do they bust out the Zimpstern? The what? That's the cinnamon stars. The Zimpstern. Oh, I'm not sure. That seems like the palace staff was cooking that, so I don't know who's actually eating those. Yeah, maybe it's for, like, the staff Christmas party or something, but it was definitely, yeah. like, I had to look. I looked at, they called them cinnamon stars, and I looked it up, and everything was like, it's a German cookie called Zimpstern, and I was like, oh, okay. But It was a little weird they were, like, icing them before they cut them out. No, so apparently, so not to get too into these cookies, but I'm fascinated by these. So it's, like, a weird, you wouldn't like them because it's an almond ground almond dough so you mix yeah that doesn't egg whites with ground almonds or hazelnuts um and like it was like candied orange peel and then you roll that out and then you put it's like a meringue doesn't sound good that's like how they like fruitcake but they're very spiced like i was imagining something like very orangey and spicy and then you roll them out and put a layer of meringue on top and then chill it and then cut them out. Although I did see most recipes had you cut them out and then like pipe the meringue on because I imagine that's easier to do. And then bake them. So I, it's just like a cookie with like a thin, thin layer of meringue. I'm fascinated by these cookies. I'll probably never make them. But they seemed so fussy for something that didn't seem like it would taste that good. Which well, to fussy me sort is of kind sums of up, what it sort of sums up the entire royal experience, right? Like it's super fussy, yeah. <laughs> but it doesn't taste that good when you get down to it. Sounds like William and Kate's wedding cake, if I'm honest. Or or like Meghan Markle's experience. You know what I mean? Like she's oh, yeah. like, this is a whole Zemstern. Okay. You know what I mean? Like okay. it probably seemed like a great idea. And then she bit into the cookie and she's like, ugh, it's not that good. Okay, so moving on from the cookies, we mentioned this a few times. So the family does an annual walk to church on Christmas Day, um, but actually I found out that the public walk is the second trip to church of the day because some of the family, or most of them, also go to an earlier service so that the queen can take communion in private. So by the time they're walking at 11 a.m., they've already been to church and back. Oh, interesting. And they walk through the crowd, but the public is vetted. (laughs) So it's like special people that have been invited. Hmm. Yeah. Um, Also, the queen stays at Sandringham until February 6th, and the decorations stay up until she leaves. So like I said, uh, don't laugh at me. It's their house. They make the rules, and they can leave their Christmas lights up until February. (laughs) Nice. Nice. Yeah. It's a month longer than Taylor Swift, apparently. (laughs) They also throw a bunch of Christmas parties for their respective charities, and they send Christmas cards. Um, The Queen and Philip apparently send around 750 cards every year, and she starts signing them while she's on summer holiday. (laughs) Because I'm sure it takes a while. Yeah. Yeah. Um, The Queen gives Christmas trees to Westminster Abbey, St. Paul's Cathedral, St. Giles's Cathedral and the Canongate Kirk in Edinburgh. And I believe St. Giles's is also in Edinburgh. 
And also the family doesn't just have one Christmas tree. They have many trees throughout their various homes and palaces. But apparently they have a silver artificial one in the dining room at Sandringham, which surprised me that they would have a artificial silver tree. I wonder but, if that like went up in the 70s and it's and just like never came down. Been a tradition yeah. ever since. <laughs> That's what I was wondering. Or maybe it just goes with the like, decor. It's just, feels kind of tacky for them, but maybe they thought it was great fun yeah. to have that kind of tree. Um, the gag gifts. Yeah. So after they've given out their gag gifts, apparently they play charades um, at Christmas lunch. And like we said, the queen does her annual Christmas broadcast. And she also gives out Christmas puddings to her staff, um, which is a tradition begun by her grandfather and, and her father. So she carries that out as well, which is maybe the... Zimstern or whatever what, what were they called well I oh I was picturing something more like um the steamed pudding that they made on Great British Baking Show that one year or like yeah I'm not really sure because I feel like it would need to be something that you could wrap up and keep for a few days yeah you least. can like cook it in a tin but then and it just I don't know if it would keep Apparently it does. I, I was thinking know. it's probably like a fruitcake or Maybe, something. Maybe, yeah. yeah. I, I'm not. I'm not picturing anything particularly tasty. If it was started by George the fifth, fifth, yeah. I mean, that's yeah. that's going back to turn of the 19th century. Yeah. So that's that's most of what I could find out about the various little traditions that the royal family celebrates. I think, like most families, they have their own quirks and traditions. And some of it might sound strange to the outside, but I'm sure they look forward to a lot of it every year. Um, Some of it maybe they don't look forward to. I guess it would depend on your place in the family and how well you get along with everyone. Much like everybody's family at Christmas. Right, right. Yeah, they're just like us. (laughs) Those family dynamics, Um, can't escape them. Yeah. So not to focus entirely on the Windsors, I looked up a few traditions from other royal families around the world. Um, Like I said, not everyone, though, celebrates Christmas, um, but those in Europe generally do. Um, So in Monaco, Prince Albert apparently dresses up as Santa and hands out gifts to the children of Monaco. They have, like, this gift-giving extravaganza at the palace. Um, Apparently, it's one of his favorite things. Is it? And, Hmm. yeah. Um, So his mother, Grace Kelly, started it um, because she wanted to get to know the children of Monaco. Oh, that's kind of sweet. Yeah. Um, In Luxembourg, uh, they have a grand duke. And so he and his family attend church services and give each other wrapped presents. And he addresses the country on Christmas Eve. So sounds a lot like what the Windsors do. The one I found most interesting is the Dutch royals go on vacation <laughs> to warmer climates. They're like, see ya. I, that's <laughs> what gonna... I would do. Yeah, but they're, you know, that they're a different type of monarchy. They're, um, well, they're technically elected, I think, um, but they don't really have any official roles, so they don't have to stay home to address the country or anything. The Dutch monarchy um, is elected? I think so, yeah. How do I apply? <laughs> no, I think you have to be Dutch. <laughs> and I but think it's, it's hereditary, but I think it's technically like they're elected. Yeah, are they are they elected from a pool of applicants like the Hawaiians? Or like the Holy Roman Empire? I don't yeah. know. Okay. That might be an interesting episode to cover. Let's put a pin in that because I'm 
Very yeah. interested in that. The, in Spain, the Spanish royal family send Christmas cards and celebrate Epiphany, which is also King Juan Carlos's birthday. Okay. Yep. Um, the Danes throw a masked ball at the Amalienborg Palace, so that sounds fun. Um, and in Japan, the imperial family opened the grounds of the palace to the public on January 2nd. It's like a Happy New Year kind of thing. So, like, did, they don't really celebrate Christmas in Japan. No, theirs is like a New Year's celebration. Okay. Yeah. The new calendar year. Because I imagine they also celebrate the Lunar New Year. Um, I'm not sure. Hmm. Interesting. Well, that's all. I mean, that's all really interesting. It's funny, like, the similarities where some of this, it's like, okay, well, that sounds like Christmas at my house. And some of it's like, right? I want to <laughs> go to a black tie Christmas Eve. Like, that's that's a bucket list right there. All right. Well, next time you invite me for Christmas, I'll make sure to check my Rent the Runway. <laughs> there you go. Let's do it. Yeah. I'm sure Ryan will be Oh, God. Thrilled. Can you imagine? There's like four of us and we're just like in gowns. <laughs> With my dog, who will yeah, destroy would... all of our gowns. <laughs> Not go well. Like, if we plan ahead, we, we can don't... get rid of him for the weekend. <laughs> <laughs> we could put him in a bow tie. Oh, he'd love that. So I thought that was a fun little breather. We'll be back with um, beheadings and such next time. Yes. So next up is going to be Marie Antoinette. Ooh. So we will be back with a beheading. And also her husband, Louis. <laughs> but let's be honest, everybody cares about Nobody Marie cares about yeah. him. He yeah. was technically king, but eh. yeah, whatever. Yeah. Um, <laughs> in the meantime, I hope everybody has a wonderful holiday season. Um Whichever holiday you're celebrating or not, it's just a nice time of year, end of year, happy new year. I think we'll probably be back, well, will we be back before the end of the year or will we wait until the new year to talk about Marie? Yeah, so this is going to air the week before Christmas. We'll take the week of Christmas off and this will air um, on the 2nd. Speaking of the Japanese, the next one will air on the 2nd. Sorry, not this episode. Um, Marie Antoinette will be back on January 2nd. Okay. Yeah. And maybe we can All right. talk well, about the Japanese open their gates because I'm really interested in that. Um, yeah. Okay. Interesting. Okay. Well, we'll be back then. All right. Until then, Merry Christmas. Mm-hmm. Merry Christmas. Cheerio. Monarchast is produced by me, Allie. And me, Claire. And our logo is by Ryan Cooney. If you like our episodes and want to give us a shout out, please rate or review us on iTunes or Google Play or whatever your preferred method of podcast listening is. We really appreciate it.